All right. Uh, it's been a tough couple weeks, and uh, man, thank you for coming out this morning. Uh, I'm really excited um, <coughs> to introduce my friend to you. Uh, I've been waiting for this day when he could speak to you. This guy has ministered to me and many other people in this room uh, throughout the years, and I know you're going to love it. So please give a warm, warm welcome to your brother and my friend, Randy Mullins. Thank you. Thank you. Love you, too. Love you, too. You know, a um, few weeks ago at the men's outing down in Dublin, I shared my entire testimony. And uh, I'm not going to do that here this morning. But they heard what many of you here may not know. And that is that I spent about 26 years in ministry. But I'm going to be honest with you. And I told Jared, I said, hey, listen, <laughs> it's been 18 months and I've stood on a stage and preached a message to a congregation. So I've got a lot bald, you know, just it's all inside of me and it's got to come out. So, um, you know, I hope you packed your lunch because uh, we'll take a halftime probably around one o'clock, eat, and then we'll finish up probably about two. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I do want us to pray right now, though. Father God, you are so awesome. You are so here right now. God, you have expressed to us your heart. You have been honest with us. So God, I pray that we would be honest with you and honest with ourselves. God, may the truth be told today. May we get a grip with where we currently are in our journey and on our journey with you. God, this is your time. It's not mine. This is your message. This ain't my message. I'm just a conduit that you want to flow through. God, I'm just like everybody else here today. I put my britches on one leg at a time. So, God, thank you that I'm able to be here with friends. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, we are blessed to have the staff that we have with us. Uh, if you were here last week, uh, you got to hear Dusty preach. Give Dusty a big old hand. And you know how great our pastor is week after week after week. Uh, delivering the message that God's placed on his heart. Let's give Pastor Jared a hand as well. Now, we'll say this. Last week, a bald guy preached. This week, a bald guy preached. Jared, when you get up here next week, not going to happen. Not going to happen. <laughs> Yeah, there's a story of a little girl that came home from school one day, met her mama at the door, and mama said, hey, baby, how was school? How are you doing? And she just simply said, oh, mommy, I've got a tummy ache. To which, as most moms know, they just know what to do. She says, well, you just probably need to eat something. So she grabbed a snack. And she gave it to her young daughter, and sure enough, everything was fine. 
Her tummy ache was now gone. Well, the mom had to run an errand real quick. So she left the little girl behind with her older sister. And directly, the phone rang, and the little girl answered the phone. Okay? She answered it very politely. And it happened to be the pastor. And he said to her, Young lady, how are you doing? Hello. To which she responded to him, Hi, Pastor, I'm doing fine. How are you doing? To which he responded, Well, to be honest with you, I've got a little bit of a headache. Well, he couldn't go any further. She already had him diagnosed. My mommy says that it means that you don't have anything in it. Right? Where's Landon? Yeah. You know the honesty of kids. And that's where I want us to go today. The truth needs to be told. You know, I dialed up that song this morning because it's meant a lot to me. Every one of us here has come in here with something. With something. Either you're in it right now. Maybe you just came out of it. Or you better get prepared because it's just down the road. We've all been there. So today we're talking about crisis. We're talking about obstacles. We're talking about stuff. Stuff that hurts. Stuff that binds. Stuff that just takes our spiritual legs right out from underneath us. So this morning we're going to talk about crisis or better put impossibilities, obstacles, Stuff. Stuff that just gets us down. Stuff that shackles us. Stuff that causes us to feel like we can't breathe anymore. Can we get real this morning? How many of you right now, either you've just come out of something or you're in it right now? Or maybe you know somebody close to you is in it. Can I just see a show of hands? Just keep them up for just a second. I want you to look around. Just look around. Folks, you're not alone. You're not alone. In fact, there's many of you that's carrying something that's painful, that's got you down, that's hurting you right now. Maybe even causing depression, causing strife, or destruction. It might be a battle that's raging inside of you. Hey, look, you're in a good place. You're in a great place. We're family. We're friends here. Okay? In fact, many of you walked into these doors for the first time, and your life was totally out of control. Can I get an amen? That's what Woodbridge Church has been for you because you came here exactly in that same boat and you found your life preserver in Jesus Christ. So I've got good news for you here today. Everybody say good news. I want you to also say God loves me. God cares about me. I want you to remember those very things. 
So I want you to open your Bibles, if you have your Bibles, to Exodus chapter 14. Now, you may not have come in here with a Bible. You may not know a whole lot about the Bible. That's perfectly fine. You're in good company, okay? All the scriptures that we're going to be looking at today are going to be on the screen back behind me. Bibles is divided up into two parts, Old Testament, New Testament. We're going to be looking at some verses in both. I think it's very important for what we're talking about today. But in Exodus chapter 14, I'm going to share with you three crucial points from this text. I want to share three. Otherwise, my message would be pointless, right? Oh, tough crowd. Wow, Jared, I feel for you, brother. <laughs> that looks so good on paper. Didn't work. But I want you to write these three points down. Or I want you to write them maybe out in the columns of your Bible or at least underline them. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 14, verses 13 and 14. So let's read the text. Let's look at it. Okay? Chapter 14, verse 13. But Moses said to the people, Don't fear. Don't be afraid. Stand firm and see the Lord's salvation. He will provide for you today. For the Egyptians you see today, well, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You must be quiet. Now, let me give you just kind of a little background on where this text comes. You may know that the children of Israel, in fact, Jared has shared this message over the last several months, some passing through. But the children of Israel had been enslaved in Egypt, okay? Harshly treated, wanting so desperately to get out. God raises up Moses, and God gives Moses the message. I'm freeing my people, and you're going to go before the Pharaoh and tell them to be released. Well, you know the story. There were several plagues, horrible plagues, that Moses called down from heaven, and it was horrible for the Egyptian people. The final one is the one that brought, broke the camel's back. It was the death angel that was going to come and strike every firstborn of the Egyptians, even every firstborn of their flocks. But the children of Israel were going to put the blood of the lamb over their doorpost. And that death angel, as it was coming through, it would see the blood of the lamb over the doorpost and pass over it until it found somebody that didn't have the blood of the lamb. That's what broke the camel's back. Because Pharaoh's firstborn died that night. In anguish, he said, I am sick of this. I am tired of these people. I'm tired of all this crap happening here in Egypt. Get out of here. Woo, what joy the children of Israel experienced. Moses was going to lead them finally to the promised land. So they get up and they go. Oh, there's joy. There's celebration. There's excitement. God led them right to the edge of the Red Sea. They were camped out there. I mean, hot dogs and s'mores and hot chocolate and 
T-bone steaks. I, I don't know. Lamb chops. Bottom line is this. They were excited. They were excited as they camped at the edge of the Red Sea where God led them to. Until they saw Pharaoh's army pursuing them in the distance. Pharaoh had a change of heart. And he said, go get those people. We need them here to do all of this work. Go get them and go get them now. So that's kind of the background to this passage. The Bible says, don't fear. In fact, that's the very first point. Don't be afraid. Write that down. In fact, say that with me. Don't be afraid. Okay? Right there, the very first three letters of Moses' message to the people was, don't be afraid. The Bible says, don't fear or fear not, or don't be afraid over 300 times in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Why? Fear cripples. Fear takes us down. Fear causes irrational thoughts. It takes truth and sends it out the door. Okay? When fear strikes, usually there's three responses. You fight. Okay? A fight that you shouldn't be fighting. Or you freeze. I don't know what to do. I'm just camped in it. And I don't like it. Or you flee. You run away from the problem and never deal with what's causing the fear. Why? Why? You see, when crisis, when we face a crisis, our self-sufficiency is challenged. Fear sets in. We say things like, this is too much to handle. Or, it's wearing me out. I want out. Where are you, God? How about, I see no way to overcome this. Folks, these are real thoughts. These are thoughts that I've shared within my own self. Maybe you have as well. Now let's put ourselves right into the text this morning. Can you imagine being there with the children of Israel? The party's going on. The s'mores are being fixed. Everybody is enjoying Every, you know what? They wouldn't be eating hot dogs because that's pork. Right? So they, yeah, they slaughtered the beef and made beef hot dogs. But here they were. Everything was cool. Everything was fine. And now something is happening. A crisis has come. They see Pharaoh's army coming in on them. What was their thoughts? I'm about to die. Why did God have us come here? I see no way out. Fear, fear, fear. Even worse, I'd rather be back in Egypt, a.k.a. back in slavery. What did God have Moses say to his people? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Say those with me. Don't be afraid. Let's look at another instance where crisis had set in. It's in Mark chapter 6. If 
you have your Bibles, go ahead and find that. Otherwise, the verses will be up here on the screen. Mark chapter 6, 45 through 51. Now, what just happened before this particular passage? Jesus fed the 5,000. Okay? Now, that's 5,000 men. It's not counting the women and the children, so there could have been easily been 12,000, 15,000, maybe 18,000 there. But he asked the disciples, okay, feed them. They said, we don't have anything. He says, well, what have you got? He said, well, we got five loaves and two fishes. He said, all right, let's bless it. And you know what happened? A great miracle happened that day. They had plenty for everybody that was there because Jesus multiplied the bread and the fishes. And I mean, they were excited. Can you imagine the disciples as they were handing this out? I mean, they were freaking out because they weren't running out of bread or fish. And when everything was said and done, can you imagine the excitement over the entire crowd? The disciples and the, the people were ready to shout out, Touchdown, Jesus! Woohoo! And hoist him up onto their shoulders and carry him off. But Jesus did not let that happen. He didn't let it happen. Look at Mark chapter 6, beginning in verse 45. Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side, to Bethsaida, where he dismissed the crowd, while he dismissed the crowd. After he said goodbye to them, he went away to the mountain to pray. When evening came, the boat was in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, and he was alone on the land. He saw them being battered as they rowed because the wind was against them. Around three in the morning, he came toward them walking on the sea and wanted to pass by them. When they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke with them and said, Have courage, it is I. And there's those three words. Say it with me. Don't be afraid. He got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased, and they were completely astonished. You see the parallels between these two stories? Okay? There's several things that we can see between the children of Israel and the disciples out there in the boat. The parallels. Okay? Let's get the obvious one out of the way. There was water, right? Okay? God was directly, or Jesus was directly leading them right where they were. Let that sink in for just a moment. God was leading them right to where they were. Think about that for just a second. You may be asking, well, why would God do that? Why would God lead them right to where they were? Well, you know what? That's a great question. Kind of frees me up to give you an answer a little bit later. So just 
Hang tight. Just hang tight. In both cases, there was great angst. There was turmoil. There was frustration. There was fear. There was hopelessness. I mean, fill in the blank. Okay? Then God shows up. Jesus shows up with a word. Say those three words with me again. Don't be afraid. God brought about a victory. Now, it looked a little different for both the groups. The children of Israel, the Red Seas parted. They walked across on dry land. And then they saw the enemy be collapsed with the water on top of them, and they were no more. The disciples, Jesus stepped into the boat, and the storm ceased. When we face a crisis... Our self-sufficiency is challenged. Next slide, please. I want you to get a good look at this. In fact, you may want to take out your phone and take a picture of it. The gospel of self-sufficiency eventually leads to a life of spiritual poverty that causes us to become spiritually sick and unresponsive to the help we really need. Let that sink in for just a moment. Let that sink in for just a moment. The gospel of self-sufficiency eventually leads to a life of spiritual poverty that causes us to become spiritually sick and unresponsive to the help we really need. Now, how can we not be afraid? Well, that leads me to the second point. I want us to get a hold of from this passage. So let's go back to Exodus 14 once again. And again, it's found right there in verse 13. What did Moses say next after he said, don't be afraid? He said, stand firm. Say that with me. Stand firm. One more time. Stand firm. This is what the biblical phrase, wait on the Lord, is all about. Don't move. Just wait. It's committing our crisis situation to God. We commit it to Him in prayer. We commit it to Him by trusting Him. We commit it by waiting for Him to work. I know that doing so runs counter to our proactive and assertive selves. You see, many headaches would be avoided. Many heartaches would be avoided if we would just look at a good dose of Psalm 37, verses 7 through 8. What does it say? Be silent before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do not be agitated by one who prospers in his way, by the man who carries out evil plans. Refrain from anger and give up your rage. Do not be agitated. It can only bring harm. How does it start off? Be silent. Be silent before the Lord. That's hard to do. I know Randy gets in the way a lot of what God is trying to teach me and how he's wanting to help me in whatever. I'm trying to tackle that's controlling me. It's hard to do. We tend to let emotion run rampant. 
I mean, the very word emotion is the word motion with an E in front of it. Maybe for erratic, I suppose. I don't know. I don't have the answer to that. But I do know this. When we give emotion free reign, here's what happens. Our feelings become like a roller coaster. Whoo, man, down and up and all around and twirly birds. And that becomes our emotions when we give them free reign. One moment we're enraged. The next moment we're in love or lust. Or we're in the stronghold of depression or anxiety or addiction or destruction. All are worsened by giving emotion free reign. Now, what does God say? God says, stop. Stop. Take a breath and stand firm. Say that with me. Stand firm. Yes. Wait on him. By jumping ahead of him, the problem that maybe once started small just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. I read out of Romans chapter 12 a verse that I wrestled with for a little while. And you're going to see why. But to me, it makes perfect sense now. Romans chapter 12 Verse 19, friends, do not avenge yourselves. Instead, leave room for his wrath. For it is written, vengeance belongs to me, I will repay. The context of this leave room for his wrath involves retribution. God says, don't strike out. Let me take care of it. Now, Here's what gripped me. Maybe you can catch it as well. The phrase, leave room for God. Why is this phrase catching my attention? Why do I want it to catch yours? If we can leave room for God's wrath, then why can't we leave room for God his attributes, his power, his love, his grace, his forgiveness, his deliverance, his answers. I can't solve every problem. I can't cure every hurt or avoid every fear. But I can leave room for God. I don't have the answer to every dilemma, but I can leave room for God to work. I can't do the impossible, but I can leave room for God to do what he does. I've been rowing against this storm for a long time, but I can leave room for God right here in the middle of my crisis. Some of you need to hear that this morning. Leave room for God. What does it say in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20? Because when you leave room for God and let Him work, He is going to blow your mind at what He can do. He is God. 
you are not. He created all things. He created you. Maybe he led you right to where you are. What does it say in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20? Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. The Randy Mullen translation. But to him who can blow your mind, who can do what you can never think or ask or accomplish, because that's what God can do. That's what he can do. We got to leave room for God. My third and final point in Exodus chapter 14 Whoops, I got some pages out of the way. Oh, let me, show, let me share with you also. Well, we'll get to that here in just a second. The, the bottom line is this, y'all, is we've got to stand firm. We're not to be afraid. When we let our emotions get the best of us, God says, Stop. And wait. But sometimes we have to take it one more step. The third and final point is be quiet. Be quiet. Let's look back at our text here for just a moment. Just be quiet. Let me read both of those verses again. But Moses said to the people, Don't be afraid. We've already shared that one. Stand firm, that's point number two. See the Lord's salvation he will provide for you today. For the Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You must be quiet. Okay, am I alone here? <laughs> Does anybody else have a hard time just being quiet right in the middle of your stuff? Okay. It's there. Remember the setting, the predicament the children of Israel were in. Fear, hopelessness, complaining, imminent death, anxiety. Be quiet? How can I be quiet? Okay, true confessions. How many of us here, is that a challenge? Or you know somebody maybe right beside you, that's a challenge. <laughs> Help them lift their hand. I'm just kidding on that one. I'm just kidding on that one. Now, if you're sitting beside somebody that's going through something, you need to hear this out, okay? We all know what it's like when we're in it. It's gripping, and it's difficult to be quiet. All these things start whirling around in our mind and in our soul, Negative things that are screaming to us. Where are you, God? Why have you left me? You can't get me out of this. Those negative things, they're real. They happen. Two more passages from the Bible, and then we're going to land the plane. 
The first one is Psalm 46, verse 10. And I like how it reads out of the New Living Translation. It just simply says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. Love that first phrase, though. Be still and know that I am God. You need to tell your knower to be still. Right? That's in the book of Moloniah, chapter 4, verse 2. Glad somebody caught that one. We need to just close our eyes, take a deep breath, and be quiet. Relax. But other times, it may take a little more aggressive approach to quiet the thoughts. Don't forget that we have an enemy, an enemy that is attacking us from all sides. Many times he's the one that's putting all of these negative thoughts in our minds. What are we to do? 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 5, real quick. For though we live in the body, we do not wage war in an unspiritual way. Now, it's already kind of setting the stage that there's a battle going on, right? Okay. Since the weapons of our warfare are not worldly, but are powerful through God for the demolition of these strongholds, we demolish arguments and every high-minded thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God by taking every thought captive. Man, when those things start hitting you, Take that thought captive into the obedience of Christ. Jesus, I don't know where this is coming from, but I'm giving it to you. I'm going through some stuff right now, Jesus. And I know what the enemy is saying. He's saying for me to fight a battle that I'm not supposed to be fighting. He's saying, freeze, just sit in it. He's saying for me to just take off and run like it's not even there. So Jesus, I'm taking these thoughts captive to your obedience. And I'm giving them to you. Just, not, just like not allowing our emotions to have free, we need to rein in our thoughts that are so off base. Take them captive because they're not of Christ. Do you remember earlier when we were talking about the parallels between the children of Israel at the Red Sea and the disciples out in the boat? And I made a statement that might have caught you off guard. God was directly leading both groups, or Jesus was leading both groups, right to where the crisis was happening. That just doesn't make sense. I thought everything was supposed to be sunshine and roses. But you know, stuff happens. Amen? It happens. In fact, when you give your heart to Jesus, the battle is on. So, why would God do that? Why would God do that? 
Because he loves you. And he has a perfect plan for your life. The worship team, y'all can go ahead and make your way up here to the front. I learned a long time ago that the word oops does not exist in God's vocabulary. Nothing has ever happened that has caused God to stand up from his throne and go, how did that happen? God is in control. God very well may have brought you right to the very edge for one sole purpose. And that is to help you fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith. Fix your eyes on Jesus. I know every single time, every single time, that I start muttering around in yuck and bondage. My eyes have gotten off of Jesus. And my eyes have gotten on myself or somebody else or another situation until I finally wake up and I realize I'm where I'm not supposed to be. I need to get my eyes back on Jesus. Can I get a witness? I need to get my eyes back on Jesus. So if you're here this morning and you're in the middle of the stuff right now, you may be the only one here that knows you're battling something. You're not alone. Jesus wants you to get your eyes on him. Now, you may be thinking that this message was primarily for Christians this morning, and it was in kind of a way. But in a crowd this size, there's very likely some that have never met Jesus. You've never given your heart, your life, to this precious Savior, this life preserver. You're in the boat, and you're rowing like crazy, and you have no idea if you've even made an inch of progress. You need your life preserver, Jesus. We want to help you do that, to give your heart to Jesus. You may be a Christian right now. You may not. Stuff happens, and you're right now in the middle of it. We're going to have a prayer team down here at the front at the close of the service that wants to pray for you. You need to get this thing off your chest. You need to get this load to be lifted a little bit from your shoulders. Having someone pray for you and pray over you will make all the difference in the world. You've got somebody in your corner. Sometimes you need a little bit of Jesus with skin on. Okay? That's what we are to one another. When this service dismisses, if you need to pray... You need to have somebody pray over you. Find one of these prayer team members at the front. In fact, prayer team, y'all can go ahead and make your way to the front. That way you'll know exactly who they are. Let's pray. God, thank you for this time we've had together this morning. It's your time. So, God, I ask that you do what I cannot do. You stir through your Holy Spirit. You stir through hearts and minds. You know the decisions that need to be made this morning. You know the stuff that needs to be let go. 
God, help us to do that. In the precious and mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Okay. okay, Sammy, Sammy come, on, come on, man. All right, this is my boy Sammy, and he is taking the next step in his faith and becoming baptized this morning. Sammy, you know that, you know that this water is not what saves you. Um, believing that Jesus is the Son of God and that he died on the cross for your sins and accepting him as Lord and Savior over your life, that's what saves you. This, is just, this just symbolizes dying to your old self and rising again as a new creation. So what I'm going to do right now in front of your family and your friends, Sammy, have you accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior over your life? I have. Amen. All right, so go ahead and get in. And it's just an honor to baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried with him in death, and raised to walk in newness of life. Good job, my man. Howdy, buddy. Oh, I guess I should say... Uh, Baskets are going to come up. It's part of the way that we uh, worship is with our tithe and offering. But also drop that connection card in there. We want to hear from you. We want to pray for you. Better yet, come see the prayer team. Um, but please stand and worship.